0: Let's see. Mojo. Uh huh. Mm hmm. Ah, oh, screw this. It's Rocktober. Let's get my mojo going. Hi, this is Bernard Fanning. And this is Chad
1: Nickelback. This is John Bon Jovi. This is Dave from The Food Fighters. This is Joe Elliott
0: from Death Letter.
1: We are collectively in the
2: band called Green Day. Hey
1: guys, this is John Karabi from The Dead Daisies. Yep. And it's Rocktober,
2: bitches. Rocktober! Is... Okay, this is Michael Hutchins. This is Bono here from YouTube. You You're sitting in history.
0: days of interviews, music and mojo. It's Rocktober on the Mojo Radio Show. Hey everybody
3: and welcome to a very special Rocktober edition of the Mojo Radio Show. It's been 11 months since the making but it is finally <laughs> here. We're bringing back Rocktober. Yeah and do you know Mate. what? It's also
4: what? our 51st show. We're a week off a year old. Wow! Next, yeah.
3: So next week's our uh, our one year anniversary. Next
4: week's episode number fifty two. That's right.
3: Sweet mm, indeed. Who would have thunk, thunk it? Who would have thunk it? So for anybody listening, the Mojo Radio Show is about interviewing people that Robo and I think are interesting to extract, draw out stuff that we think we can apply to our own worlds, in and out of work, to make things better, to get our Mojo working, yeah. and. If we think back through our working careers when we were in radio back mm. in the day, Rocktober was massive, wasn't it? I mean, it was just, we put hours and hours. In fact, we wouldn't yeah. leave the studio for a month just no. doing Rocktober, would we?
4: No, absolutely. I, I remember vividly the first time we did Rocktober and I actually still have the t-shirt, <laughs> believe it or not, the long sleeve t-shirt with brushes really? and coke on it. Yep. I'll, in fact, I'll take a photo and we can post it in the show notes. My boss, who was a guy called Jeff Thomas, probably one of the best radio Hello. imaging guys in the world, He, we finished Rocktober on a Friday night. We went downstairs to Billy the Pigs at about, <gasps> oh, I think it was half past nine, ten o'clock. Tomo sat at the bar and ran his fingers through his hair and clumps of hair came out. He oh, was that no. tired, that stressed, that over it. That he, he he was just literally falling apart. So yeah, we put everything into Rocktober. But I was also going to say, on top of that, Rocktober has been around a lot longer before. I grew up with Rocktober. Two SM mm. did Rocktober back in the seventies. You know, it's, it's I remember a- when
3: I was growing up, Four uh, IP in Brisbane were doing yep. Rocktober.
4: Yep, absolutely. Without it such was a massive, cool folks.
3: So for the folks who are listening to us around the world, we do have a pretty global audience now here on the Little Mojo Radio Show. Rocktober was a month that radio stations would basically take the rights to... And Robbo and Tomo and the guys would lock themselves in the studio for weeks and months on end and produce up all these imaging pieces around October. And then promotions guys like me would go out and we'd get live acts and we'd do acoustic sessions and giveaways. We had sponsors like Coca-Cola. Remember brashes?
4: Brashes were
3: a sponsor in the latter years. Hang
4: on one sec, Gaz. The, um, <laughs> hang on, my mobile's ringing. Hang on one sec. Let me just grab this. Kat, is that you? Yeah, it's man. How are you going? It's Robbo. Hey, Robbo. <laughs> what are you ringing us for? I'm ringing you because
5: I just want to say um, thanks so much for
0: your support. I'm down here at Daisy's rehearsals and I want to give you guys the secret code to our secret location gig.
4: Oh, Gaz, watch out, won't be so secret anymore.
0: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
4: secret sound. That's it. Secret, <laughs> the,
3: the secret so,
4: yeah, sound. The secret sound.
0: Secrets out, guys. Thanks for your support. Yeah. And so love your work. And um, yeah, we'd love to see your listeners at our secret show.
4: That'd be brilliant. So go on, give us the code. So it's
0: I Love
1: TDD
4: for the, the dead dead Daisies. daisies. <laughs> yeah. oh, there you go, guys. So if you're in Sydney on the weekend of uh, Sunday, the 11th of Rocktober, there's your secret code. Jump onto the Daisy's website, follow the links, stick in your code, pay for the gig, and you will be there partying exactly. your pants off. Mate, you're a legend, Cat Swinton. No,
0: no, you're a legend, mate, and thank you again. No and problem. I'm looking forward to seeing you guys at the gig as well, hey? Oh, right. you, Yeah,
4: we wouldn't miss it. Don't worry. Rock we're, bringing, on. The, we're bringing the families. Rock
0: <laughs>
4: on. No, yeah, bring the kids. <laughs> <laughs> out on a
3: Sunday. Beautiful. All right, okay. thanks, Cat. Talk soon. See, Cat. There you go. What, mate, that's a huge, uh, huge start to Rocktober. Yep. We got some uh, live concert tickets, which is what—that's so what Rocktober was all about. It was unpredictable. It was interviews and calls and yep. live gigs and acoustic. It was tickets and movies. It was just Absolutely. It was just a big month where we threw everything at it, and yep. we are endeavouring to bring Rocktober back to the world. So a bit of a,
4: a Rocktober flashback then. If you want to do a Rocktober flashback, let's do a this day in Rocktober.
3: Ooh, okay let's yeah. uh, throw, throw me a bone what year okay let's go back 21
4: years Whew. long way back i know I know you're only young but you're Very probably young <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> I'm sure you'll remember this Prince's single let's go crazy this one it went yes. to number one in the US for the first time right. which meant that he not only held the number one single he held the number one album for Purple Rain and the number one film at the box office. What do you reckon?
3: Uh, Purple Rain.
4: Not much. But listen, the the amazing thing about that is the only other act that's ever accomplished the same feat was the Beatles.
3: Interesting. And we will get to the Beatles a little later on in the program.
4: Indeed we will. Big chat about the Beatles with the boys. So, yeah. But um, there you go. On this day in Rocktober, we might do a few of those over the rest of the month.
3: It's very good. Well, mate, um, let's rip into this week's uh, interview.
0: Mm. It's Rocktober on the Mojo Radio Show. We
3: are... We're pretty excited this week because we got to do a face-to-face with some rock gods. And Mm -hmm. just for everybody who may not be familiar with who the Dead Daisies are, in Australia we had a band called the Party Boys or the Americans might have had the Travelling Wilburys. Yeah. And these were bands of guys who left their own regular day jobs with their own bands... Mm. Collaborated mm. and created some fabulous music and toured. And the Dead Daisies are former members of White Snake, Motley Crew, Guns and Roses, Psychedelic Furs, Billy Idol, Guns and Roses. Mm-hmm. Like the greats of Thin Lizzy, the greats of the great. And these guys all collaborate, get together, and they've done a brilliant album called Revolution. Uh, Which is the uh, (laughs) Spanish for? Wait till you hear them pronounce (laughs) it (laughs) properly. And we caught up with Marco Mendoza, who is the bass player out of White Snake and Thin Lizzy, Mm -hmm. and John Karabi, who is the lead singer, formerly the lead singer of Motley Crue and Scream. Yeah, yeah, and and it was a fantastic interview in a hotel room um, in Sydney right before they went to rehearsals. So. Um, These guys are rock royalty, they've been around the traps, and I think, I just want to make one thing clear for anybody before we start the interview is, although this is a rock rock and roll band being interviewed for Rocktober, listen to what the guys talk through because there are some wonderful life learnings that Mm don't apply to the music industry, but apply to business, our relationships, our children, our spirit, our creativity, our innovation, and What really got me as I talked to these guys and and we went through it is just the learnings that could be taken from different industries and applied to different parts of our life, don't you reckon?
4: Absolutely. I was just going to say my son Jack came with us and he made an instant connection with Marco, just with the stuff that he was talking about. And, um, And in fact... We won't go into it, but Gary and I were talking about before the show about a, a special moment that Jack had with him after the program. And Look, I, I, and I think you're right, and let's not give anything away, but I'm, Marco's had his own battles and he talks very openly about that and I think what he has to say about, about that is actually the
3: highlight of the whole interview, really, isn't it? Yeah, you it know? really is. I mean, to me, it was a very special part of the almost the one-year anniversary of the Mojo radio show. And mm. uh, what, what, was, what was really interesting, folks, is we sat down... And the guys were so incredibly generous with their time. We just started riffing, and we basically started <laughs> started talking and chatting because we have a lot of commonalities. And we just started. We sat on the couch and we just started chatting. And mm-hmm. I forgot to intro the guys. Yeah, well, I think we both show. did. Yeah. So um, you'll hear that we just pick it up mid conversation about mm. to talk about. Just music and stuff. But this is Marco Mendoza and John Karabi from the Dead Daisies.
1: But I was just
4: saying, I, I I haven't picked up an album and been as excited about it. You guys have reinvented my love of rock and Because really I was yeah. starting to get really jaded and thinking, man, there's just nothing. That's cool. Right. I, I love it. I love the album.
2: Hey, right, Mexico. I, Mexico was was uh, was around uh, uh, with John um, Dissy and me. Kind of got together the music Not we this all wrote. John, the other John, yeah, the other John. It, it kind of that song floated around for a minute. That one and a few others, and we started. That was was so cool for me coming from you know bands that are established and you have to play the catalog, but to play new music yeah. and get in front of a freaking arena and played, you know, what you were just doing in the, yeah, in, yeah. the in the dressing room. Such Literally. A, such a good song. Yeah. And you go, Mexico? Tr- oh yeah. see, Man. I see, I try it. And and that was one song that every time we got off the stage, no matter we did uh Bad Company, Skinner, Beth Leopard and Kiss, mm. to name a few. We always got the compliments about that one in particular. What is that song? Where's it coming from? Who wrote it? La la la. So it was floating around. And it's got that hooky thing and people remember the melody. It's just, it's a, it's, you know, meat and potatoes kind of stuff. Can I ask you a question? Yes. Is there an influence of Skinner? Because I'm a Skinner 38
3: special.
1: Absolutely.
3: I'm, that's.
2: Uh, 38
1: special. I can, how tell, I I can tell you right now yeah. that um, I was, I, I was a big Leonard Skinner fan when I was growing up um, and I, You know, I used to play in cover bands back in New Jersey, Philadelphia. So we used to do Mr. Saturday Night Special. Uh, We did Gimme Three Steps. We did a bunch of stuff. And I was crushed when I read about, you know, picking up the newspaper and seeing about the plane crash and all this other stuff. And, And Dizzy, I believe... Uh Skynyard is one of his favorite yeah. bands ever. Really?
2: Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Dizzy preaching. So, huge, uh, huge the, fan. The, the Skinner Bible. Absolutely. Because I heard it. Mexico and I can hear it. It. And you
3: I can hear, hear Skinner in it. Oh, and yeah, I yeah. went, when I see the boys, if the opportunity comes up, you just fact you just mentioned I went That was that was that, such that, a Dizzy, Skinner'd... absolutely doing this. Wow,
2: really? Yeah, slapping his butter on it, butter, a lot of Skinner butter on it. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. And you, you can hear it on the rest of the album. I mean
1: it's weird, like if I've actually had some people go. Man, it's weird. It's kind of got this Southern cross thing. between between like ACDC and Skinner. Yeah. Like yeah. there's a, there's yes. a Skinner vibe to it, but yeah, there's yeah, like yeah. that guitar riff cut. is very ACDC-ish There's a, there's as well. a really
3: interesting, I think, um, uh, genre coming through where you get guys like uh, A Thousand Horses, um, Rival Sons. Yeah, the Rivals. Um And uh, I heard another band the other day that was, um, there's this smoky, skinned Mexico sound coming out now with guys going back to almost like the Waylon the Jennings, yeah. outlaw the country, roots, but crossing over into just great classic rock and roll. Yeah. Yes. Do you know what I mean? Like yes.
2: That- I think, uh, you know, that's part of um, music evolution. And even... Uh, um, I mean, in many facets in life, but music goes through those cycles, you know, mm. over and over. I mean, I've been around for 85 years. So I've seen it happen three or four times already, you know. Yeah. I've been he, around for 85 years. Yeah, he was. He I've been was, around for 85. <laughs> 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 this, <my> <laughs> <laughs> this is my guy This is his third life. Third guy around. Oh, wow. Did I look that bad? <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Makeup. <laughs> <More> coffee. <laughs> No, it does go through that thing, Mm. man. And and a lot of bands are going back to the the analog thing, Mm. which is part of where we all came from. Like
3: the Cadillac 3, I don't know if you guys are across the Cadillac 3 yet. Swampy sound that it's just it just to me like it's a live band. Yeah, it is. And these guys are stripped down.
2: It's not what you record what you play is what you hear in the album, and that's what you play live, Mm. you know. That's what's so cool about this band. It's it's there's no Extra shit and we didn't, on. we
1: didn't, you know, with the record. Even though there was there was a couple songs that Production. they had started working on prior to me joining the band. but You know, when we came here, we got into a room and we just sat down with acoustic guitar, keyboard, his bass, n- not even any drums, yeah. and we just kind of sat and we worked on, we we sketched everything out molded it, and then we went into the studio three hundred one and we were here like Marcus said earlier 32 days but we literally wrote and recorded mixed mastered 17 songs in 32 days so we, we had did the artwork yeah. and everything we had the uh, title the whole bit so we kind of we kind of did it a little old school yeah where if you go back and you look at a uh, you know you look at a uh, you know Zeppelin 1 they recorded that record in 1 day For you home. know what i mean yeah uh, you know, but a lot of those old bands like that, they would go into a studio, and, and in, the, in the course of maybe, you know, a week, they would lay down their, lay down their yeah. Well, even in yeah. Deep, Deep Purple, Machine Head, we were reading about that when they went to Montrose, Switzerland. They only had like eighteen days to do that record, mm. and it was just, you know, we're, we're the, you know the, the the thing that I think is great about the record and and this band is. We love the record. We love the way it sounds. We love the songs. Um, but this is this is what we all love listening to. Um, the last time we were here, um, you know, we would go to the studio and we'd work on stuff and you know we would do a song and or we'd start working on a song and we had all these like little side names for them right when we were starting to work them up. For example, um, there was a song uh, "Get Up and Get Ready" on the record. Um, Richard had this riff, and then there was this one little thing where him and Marco kind of link up and they play this riff together, and it was weird. Like, it didn't really influence the riff, but there was this one song. You point, yeah, you point a reference. That's right, Derringer. That's what it was from the live record from like 1977. I go, dude, check this out. Listen how they're doing this thing and then they all, they do this break and then they all link up on this thing, the bass and the guitar. So the working title for Get Up and Get Ready was Derringer. You know what I mean? And, um, but we would come back after working in the studio and we would get back and we'd be working on lyrics or whatever. And, but the whole time, like my, computer would be pinging, and Marco or Richard or Dizzy, we'd all be sending each other YouTube links to go watch Grand Funk live from 1972 at Madison Square Garden or or some Zeppelin show or whatever. So this is all the music that we grew up listening to, the music that we love, Mm. and I think that we just kind of, with this record, we were able to just kind of get into a room and just create with no, there was no boundaries or no rules or limitations. We just kind of did what we wanted to do.
3: So that's, that's interesting. Just,
1: just on that, John, when you are walking
3: down the street, coming here today, I was thinking about you guys get on stage. You've all got, you have to have an ego to be on stage to perform. We go to look at you guys perform and to do a show. You've got to be a showman because that's what you do. Then you go to a studio and you've got to collaborate and you've almost got to, in some ways, put that ego and showmanship aside to be able to collaborate to bring something together. How does – how does the, it's interesting hearing you say that you're pinging each other's stuff. How does the creative process work amongst you guys to come out with a cracking track like you know, like a Mexico war?
2: I think there's a lot of – I- I think there's a lot of mutual respect, first of all. Like we've all known each other. Um, Some of us have worked with each other and become fans of each other. Mm. But I think that's at the basis, at the core of everything, is there's a lot of mutual respect in that we know what what everybody does. And without sounding pretentious, everybody's at the top of the Mm. food chain. Bottom line, you know, uh, what John is bringing to the to the plate is just um, amazing. You know, he's, he's a great front guy, great songwriter, fun guy to hang out with. Uh, and I would say the same thing about Richard and Dissy. And we had Jackie Barnes, who was, he had a plethora of ideas all over the place, really creative. So it was the creative thing. When you're mature enough, I think, and you've done it. You've done all the mistakes, er- and w- you've you've made all the mistakes earlier in your career. And you get to a point where, well, we don't want to do that anymore. Let's just this is a great opportunity to work with some great cats. That me personally, I put my ego aside and what I think is best aside, and listen to what everybody brings to the table. And then when it, my time comes to do my thing, and we do it all together, and, and it's fun. and it's weird
1: because like, you know, Marco or me or Richard or all of us, we may somebody may suggest something that just kind of doesn't fly with the rest of the yeah. guys. And it's really kind of very democratic, you know, even when I'm doing my vocals, like I like <clears throat> you know, I, I it's it's weird. As as egotistical I think as most singers have to be mm. to be on stage and act like, you know, you look at it. me. Bigger than yeah, life, yeah. yeah. I think most singers in the studio are very insecure. Really? and so w- when I go into the studio, I'm like, uh, you know, and I'm always asking them, like, when I'm doing, I'll do a vocal, and I go, "What do you guys think?" Yeah. I'll, I'll lay it out there, and then, you know, there were some things that that I that I did that they were like, "It's it's it's good, but it's not quite right yet." And then we would tweak it, and I would go, well, "What are you hearing?" And Marco would yeah. sing something, or Dizzy would sing something. And it would it would just spark me to think in a different direction. Yeah. And I would go, okay, that's so, awesome. but you were open to it, right? You yeah. Are, yeah, yeah. And that's yeah. what I think we all are. We're all open to it. And we're all not so set in our ideas where we're not willing to hear yeah. what the other guys have to say. Yeah. So it was it was honestly doing revolution. It was was. I, I've never laughed so hard in my life. We,
0: <laughs> well, you guys are funny. You're funny guys. No, so exactly. it,
1: it was like this. It was like this the whole time with everybody. David yeah. Lowey and Richard Fortas and mm. Dizzy, even even um, even the guys that were recording us. Yeah. You know what I mean? It was, it was easy. Yeah. Was and we had blast. so much fun and and. uh I mean, it, like we we could have taken Sundays off. We didn't want to. We were mm-hmm. like, ah, let's just get in there and yeah. like, you know, do yeah. this and work and, you know." So it, it 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 the the idea thing it was it was really really flowing, flowing yeah. a lot
2: of ideas pounding from every side. So there was a lack of. But that. even
1: even from the start, like when we said, "Okay, we're going to do a record," everybody showed up with ideas, and nobody was weird about anything. Like. I'd throw three or four things down and the guys would go, well, I like this one and this mm, one. Mm, okay, yeah. cool. And then he'd throw three or four yeah. things down and we were like that one and that one. Right. And everybody just threw a few ideas down there and the ones mm. that didn't get worked on, it was no big deal. You know, we, we, we actually had,
2: have what, three, three more tracks we or three two, more tracks three, that we didn't waiting even, there.
1: that are just done that were like, Oh, okay. You know, but there's, there's a, It's unbelievable the amount of ideas. Like, Mm -hmm. I know there was there was probably I gave Richard before we even came here. There was probably six or seven other ideas that we Mm -hmm. didn't even get a chance to look at. Right? You know what I mean?
2: Yeah. When you put this song, I think uh, at the the core of everything, if you put this song, the ultimate goal, what's best for this song, and I think we're all at that place in our career. Yeah, yeah. That's it. That's the bottom line. And and. And this is another reality, and I have to throw it in, because I've been part of projects where, you know, where the publishing and the writing goes to two cats, this is, we all share. So when you get that out of the way, the Mm -hmm. business is out of the way psychologically, it's like, let's just get our best effort out. It's not about, well, I want 60%, -hmm. and yeah, he's going to take 40, and this cat's got nothing, and psychologically, I got to tell you, that starts working its thing and it it's blown up a lot of the best bands around mm-hmm. because of that. Yeah. So at, at the core of that, when you have the business taken care of, then everybody shares and shares alike. We're all making the best effort to get the best sounding music out there and put on the best shows and that's it. That's and right. we all share, you know, it's, mm. it's, it's, it's very important.
4: I got a quick question for you. There's a, a, a classic a line that I love from Dave Gilmore when he's talking about um, Dark Side of the Moon. He says, my only disappointment with the album is I never got to hear it for the first time. I never got to sit back with a pair of headphones on and just experience the album because he had so much to do with the creation of it and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Is there a sense of that with you guys? Is is there a sense that for me that, there is? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I never get to sit back and just go, "Wow, that's a great album." Because I there's finally so much work heard it in it. Europe.
2: Yeah. I was in Europe here recently, and I had to. Yeah. Um, because it was, uh, you know, when you do, I was doing my solo thing, and that's like stripping down hardcore in the trenches, and just to get inspired because I was so looking forward to seeing the guys and doing the Kiss thing. Yeah. I heard it top to bottom, and it is a great album. Yeah, yeah it is. It is, yeah, man, absolutely. more than we realized. again. Because we were in the thick of it while we were doing it. And yeah. I,
1: I still haven't, you know, like the when I was here doing the record, we literally finished, got on a plane, went home, and then because I have a solo band as well. Yeah. Mm. So I immediately went from dead Daisy's hat, yeah. took that hat off, put my solo thing on. I went out and started doing shows. Yeah. And so I I got I kind of got away from it. And then I got the list, okay. We're we're gonna. This is the songs that we're gonna do with Kiss on tour. So I basically sat and listened to those songs, figured them out, figured out like, oh, okay, refresh, I, I yeah. got to refresh now, you know. <clears throat> You know, so I haven't, I don't even have a copy of the record. So I haven't even heard the record from top to bottom yet. The
2: Master, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I
1: haven't heard it. We yeah, have so, rough
2: mixes, actually. I was yeah. going through the rough mixes <laughs> and the Master. John,
1: I've got a question for you. Um, you've
3: said that Steve Marriott from Humble Pie gave you some advice yes. years back, which then framed what you wanted to do when you went out on your own venture, you just mentioned. Can mm-hmm. you just talk us through the advice that Steve gave you and how it's impacted you and.
1: Well, it, it was weird. We, we did, it, when I say we, The Scream, when I was in The Scream, we were rehearsing, uh, doing pre-production with Eddie Kramer, who produced our record. And we were at this place in North Hollywood called Leeds. And Leeds has two buildings, one's a recording studio and one's like rehearsal rooms. So anyway, we're in there and uh, we're kind of working on all our parts for the scream album. And so Eddie's sitting in the back by this mixing board and he's listening and he's giving us advice on how the bass should play with the bass drum and the drums here and the guitar should. So we're doing all that stuff that you do. And these two guys keep coming in to the room with, you know, caps on like yours, baseball cap and jeans. And they're just sitting in the back of the room and, they'd talk for a little bit and then they'd leave and then they'd come back and they'd talk and they'd leave. So after about two days, Eddie finally brought the two guys over and unbeknownst to us, it was Steve Marriott and Peter Frampton (laughs) and this was probably 1989 or 90 and I guess um, they had talked, they were going to do a new record with Eddie and they were putting the four original members together again, Jerry Shirley, Peter, Steve, and Greg. Is Greg Ridley was the bass player, I think. So they were going to do this. And uh, I was just like, oh, God, you know, like, you know, smoking and, you know, live Fillmore, uh, his Fillmore West or live from the Fillmore Humble Pie, like great records. Mm-hmm. So I just happened to see Steve out at the coffee machine And we were talking, and he had listened to uh, Man in the Moon and Father, Mother, Son and all these songs that, you know, we had. And he just commented, and he said, you know, you have great material. And um, I thanked him, and he made this comment to me about if you can play, he goes, I can hear the songs the way you guys are breaking them down and tearing them apart. And he goes, your melody and the guitar— it's great. It's like you could do those songs acoustically and they're great songs. So his theory was that if you could sit down and play an acoustic guitar and play a song and, and sing it to an audience and entertain an audience, then you've got a good song. So I always kind of had that in the back of my Mm. mind. So, you know, obviously I did the scream, then Motley, then union. And then I was in rat forever. And, um, So when I did decide to do a solo record, I wanted to, I didn't want to come out and do what everybody would expect from me. So I did an acoustic album and I basically took half the record was old songs and I stripped them down and I just delivered them that way. And then it was six new songs Mm. and I put it out there and and it did really well. Mm. You know, and I, God, I think I, I think I toured for almost two years on that record. I saw Marco quite a few times in Europe and it was really weird. Like people were they kind of, they dug it. You know but what I a mean? Good good
3: it's yes. back to what you said we started the interview, Marco, is that people seem to be craving that simplicity and stripping things down yes. less complicated a good song and good you know lyrics. Right? You know, right. And it's, and lyrics. it's,
2: and it's You've and got it's, some great stuff. It's, yeah, it's yeah, funny yeah, though,
1: like stuff. so you know, I, I just did a few, you know, a couple weeks ago and and the, the one thing that I do, I try to make it not so show. You know, I literally sit with a, a stand, acoustic guitar or two, and then I have a table with some picks and just a couple mm, drinks. Mm. And I just sit there and I'll do like a few songs and I'll explain what the song was about. Because mm, I think yep. a lot of people, even myself, when I met Aerosmith, and I literally had the opportunity to sit on the couch and play Seasons of Wither with Steven. And I was playing the song and he sat down and we talked and, and he told me the whole story about how he wrote it. Oh, mm. cool. And I was like, I'm a fan. Mm. And I was so blown away by his story of why he wrote it and how it came together that I'm, I've done it in my shows mm-hmm. f- forever. And I think that most people, you know, it doesn't, regardless of who you are, like I'm even a Beatles fan. I'm, I'm a huge Beatles fan and I'm t- I have two books at home that literally goes through every song mm-hmm. that they recorded and it tells you what the background story was mm. on every song cool. and it's just amazing to me so i try to do more of that i tell some jokes you know i do a couple love songs in the middle of my set and uh i, I just make a little joke and i i'll say something like uh yeah these next couple of songs are uh these are about the women that i'm currently giving all my money to <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> everybody laughs and has a good time and whatever but i kind of strip it down i tell some stories i tell a few jokes and the one thing that I've noticed though is that people write to me after seeing the acoustic show and they go, all these years I've heard whatever song, all the, you know, this song, I never knew that that's what you were singing mm-hmm. in that that one sentence. Like I could hear the lyrics now mm-hmm. and I totally understand all these years I thought you were singing this. Do mm. you know what I mean? So it is so cool and I think you- it's refreshing for people. That's interesting. How are you guys...
3: Collecting stories now for a song, that's different from how you might have. You've been around, Mark. You were saying you've been around for a number of
2: thirty-five years,
3: a number, <laughs> a,
5: number of, a number of
3: decades. But Back is when Rob the was young.
5: He, was a, he was a camera operator for
1: Charlie Chaplin? <laughs> <and Charlie Chappell. laughs> I got it all done to that. <laughs> we'll put that one in the set.
2: Um, so how are you? How is I think ideas for me, and and I'll be the first one to say, listen, the writing process for me evaded me for the longest time because I I, I was one of those cats that got really busy and I got hired as a bass player and and I collaborated in a lot of stuff. But I always took it for granted. You know, It's like, okay, I'm in the business. I'm playing with some great bands, la, la, la. And, uh, And up until, let's say, the past 10 years, nine years, I found the importance of it to tell your own story, to express yourself, to be creative, whether it's good or bad. I, it's, I got to a place in my career where it doesn't matter. I need to write some songs. You know, and the biggest fear for us as creative people is, shit, is it going to suck? You know, well, I'm over it. I got over it. But people like How'd John. You,
3: how did you get over it? How, how did you get over that fear?
2: I, for me, uh, for me personally, what happened is I got sober a long time ago and I learned a new way of dealing with myself and the world around me. And it's all about tolerance and acceptance. I accept who I am today, with all my flaws, without my shortcomings, and all my assets. It's okay. I have a, I have a place to work on. If I want to improve on something, I just put the time in. You know. Mm-hmm. But as far as the, the writing thing, you know, there's I. Gosh, I've collaborated with some of the heavies, you know, and John is one of the, I'm not blowing smoke, John is one of those cats, he, he's he been doing that for a long time, he's so uh, mature when it comes to writing, and he inspires me, you know, I see the, his process, the whole thing, so... I started doing the writing thing about nine, ten years ago, where I get ideas from everyday things that happen, the little things that inspire you know, you know, uh, you so know things that people say. Yeah, yeah. Today or, I'm happy because, or yeah. you know, uh, my heart is feeling the pain because, you know, uh, that's what happens to me. Like I said, so I started writing little little phrases and sentences, mm-hmm. and and ideas, and you put them put them away, and when the time comes to bring them out and do an album or whatever. Like I did, I've done a few solo albums. Then you grab the best ideas that kind of stick and you develop them, you finish the idea. So do you judge the journal? Picture.
3: Like, do you have songbooks you carry with you? Do you do it digitally? Do you do it... I think it's recommended.
2: Have, I haven't done that. I'm, I'm scattered. I'm all over I the have, freaking place. I have,
1: like, notebooks at home yeah. on a desk okay. where I'll just write down a line or two or... Do you carry them um, with you, John? Like, on the flight coming out from Nashville last night, No, did you but if, you, if something comes to me and I think it's a great line, I'll write it on a yes, napkin. Exactly. And I'll stick it in my backpack. Yeah, yeah, or, yeah. Okay. Or or even this. Like, I now, this... I have my other phone at home. It's got several ideas yeah. where it's just a line or two. Right. And it, but it's funny though, because there was a song that Marco actually came to the table with on the record called my time. And I, I was just sitting there pulling my hair out. I'm going, I, I, I don't have anything. So Marco said, okay. And he went away, and he just sat while I was working on another song. yeah, and he just started jotting down sentences. And it's funny because even even with a it, it, you know I would say bass player singer, whatever, but even like a lyricist, it everything is not going to be awesome, mm. you know, but he just he just brought enough to me. It was a page full of stuff, and he brought enough to me where I looked at it and I saw a couple words in it. And I went boom, bing, boom, bing, boom, boom, yeah. boom. Put that together, and it was like, bah, 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 bah. and once it started, mm. it was like, Yeah. the yeah. whole thing just came. And then we worked on it, and I showed it to the guys. I sang it. You guys right. dig this? And they're like, yes, yeah, it's awesome. So that, that's what I mean. There's no real ego, and but we all, you know, and there's no rules. There's no process to per se, you know. It it's changes. interesting. Uh,
3: I had an interview with Keith Richards the other night, and uh, on his new album. And he said that people have this belief that you've got to go out looking okay. for ideas and looking for lyrics and looking for stuff. They're he happening said, right now all around us. He said he just sits there and he said, I just, I'm just open yeah. to it. Stuff yeah. just comes to me. He's I mean, Keith Richards. But he said stuff just. <laughs> and I thought it was really interesting. People are trying to force it. But if they're just open to it, it just seems like it comes. Would that be the way you guys I,
2: I, I For me, I lot took a t- sip of water and don't it quench my thirst. It makes me smile the way it does. Don't you think, think it you know, hurts? Okay, remember that was recorded. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm yeah, sure. it is. But I mean, do doing, it. Doing, doing like, doing the rhyming, the thing—it's <laughs> moments, minutes, and—and and I think the better songwriters are—they are, have that ability to grab, slow down their brain. I got chills. Slow down the brain and capture every second, every moment. Yeah. And us in the lifestyle that we lead. <clears throat> doing this constantly you know there's so much shit going on in brain and uh, you know uh, activity and you're putting you suck putting stuff in but that it, it eludes us all these little moments you know the sun the freaking the flower the, fr- the the dew on the freaking dandelion the the daisy yeah. <laughs> that's not dead it's really alive and thriving mm. i mean so on and so forth i mean it's a trip. so that's interesting but to, be able Mark to do is, that to slow down you know is
3: do you is that important to you i have been i've been reading and endeavoring to learn about this whole thing about stillness and silence and how important meditation is, is for leaders for you guys who are at the top of your game you've been around you've you've fronted and played in the, the best bands in the world is is that part of your
1: day or is stillness silence, meditation, spirituality, is that now part of your world? You know, it's, it's really funny. My, my wife, you know, I told you about my flight, so I was supposed to leave Saturday. I went up leaving Sunday, but I got up and I had some breakfast with my wife and then I was like, Oh, it's cool. You know, but before I go to leave for the plane, I can go to this, we go to this little pub in my neighborhood and we watch American football and so I went I went to go watch my team for like an hour. It's, you know, I, I missed the other two hours, but I, for an hour. And it was funny because I was just kind of sitting there watching the TV and all these people kept coming up. Like I'd watched a game and somebody had come up and talked to me about, oh, you're back in town or when are you leaving again? And I'm like, I'm leaving in an hour. And then I watched the game. And then finally my wife kind of realized, she goes... I guess after everything that you do, like that's your space, you would just like like a couple of hours of silence to watch mm-hmm. your thing. Yeah, and for me, like when we go on tour, I love noodling around on the guitars. When I'm on tour, I'll sit in the dressing room. I go on stage. I, you know, I think we all give hundred and twenty five percent, and and then when you get off. Like when I'm I'm done the tour, like I just want to go home and decompress. Mm-hmm. And everybody does it a different way, mm. you know. For me, it's just kind of hanging, seeing my kid, hanging out with my wife, watching a football game, or just sitting there watching a movie and nothing. Being normal, just you know? being yeah. normal. And but it's weird. Like <coughs> I'll say things, you know for for me now getting back to the songwriting thing like so there is to me it's important to kind of decompress and not be that guy that's on stage get your thoughts and then things just come out like they I'll I'll just say things like it, for example we were in a, a a bar not that long ago and this guy in Nashville you know N- Nashville's got a very good rock scene but there's you know the country scene And this guy walked in and obviously he was like a country player. Like we just saw him play. He walked in and he walked into the back room and he had this cowboy hat on, but he had like this really blingy belt buckle and he was covered in tattoos, like on his neck and all this other stuff. And I just kind of looked at him for a minute and I, and he walked by and I watched him walk into the restroom and I just turned to my wife and I, and I didn't mean it, it in any disrespect or anything, but I just sat there and I went, wow, this town ain't country anymore. Or this town ain't so country anymore. And she just looked at me and she goes, write that down. That's, great. that's yeah. a <laughs> great title. That's a great title. This yeah, town yeah, ain't yeah. country anymore. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so I wrote it down and, I, you know, then that's something that I can, whether it's a country Develop, song yeah, yeah. or yeah. whatever, I can work on that. Yeah. But it's just like these weird things come to you. Like, you know, you could see a bird and write a song about... You know, a, a bad company, Seagull.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: He went to the beach, and he sat there, and he watched the Seagull flutter around for 30 minutes. Mm. You know what I mean? And it's like you get these people get these well, moments. Or, yes. or, or another one, Mar- uh, Martha, Martha, my dear. I don't know if you know the history of that. Paul McCartney wrote a song about a sheepdog. Really? It's, about, really? his it's about his dog. It's about his dog. Martha, my dear, look it up. And so it's just these people get these, you know, different things from whatever. Life. Life. You know what I mean? John, you just mentioned uh, sometimes you sit down with your guitar and you tinker.
3: And I heard an interview recently with uh, Family Man from The Whalers, and he played back with Bob Marley. And Mm -hmm. during the interview, he had his bass, and he played uh, that boom, boom,
0: boom, 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 boom.
3: And the guy interviewing said it's almost like it's a second lyric, and it just- Hook, it yeah. just took me away. And Family Man said that the bass is the backbone. The backbone. Music. And I just wonder, are there moments where you guys do disconnect, where your guitar becomes your best friend and you're just sitting quietly? No one's listening. No one's watching. you just... Always and it, it, for it, it's, me. It's a meditation for you. It's just a friend. It helps you just to... Yeah. It, do those moments happen for you guys?
2: For me, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. And And it's usually...
2: Like, when you least I, expect
1: it. Yeah, I write it just, my yeah. best riffs when I'm not focused on the guitar, right. when I'm just holding it. Exactly. It, it's the weirdest thing. Like, yeah. I could sit and yeah, put yeah, a movie yeah. on. I'll put a movie on, and I'll just sit there with a the guitar and I'll just noodle while I'm watching the movie. And then all of a sudden, like, I'll, I'm going, oh, wait, wait where? Oh, this is a yeah. great riff. Where does that come from? What? I have no idea. I have if no idea. If you want to get deep, if you want to get deep, that's good. I think it's the left testicle region it's somewhere. The, it's, yeah. it's a ball. Okay, but it's
2: too deep. Keep <laughs> <He said laughs> <said too> <laughs> Keep
3: it above the belt <laughs> buckle.
2: But honestly, if you want to get a little deep in my opinion, this is only my opinion. There's a realm, you know, frequencies if you want to get into physics. Hmm. There's frequencies that are all around us, man, that we don't realize we we live in and every so often you know, our mind and our spirit opens that window, and these frequencies come in. That's where music is. That's, uh, in my opinion, that's wow, what music. That's, that's why it speaks to us in a freaking instinctual way. It's it's the gut. You know, mm. like ninety percent of the folks out there. They're singing half the lyrics wrong. They don't understand the story. Snow Charles <laughs> Exactly, but they're tapping into that melody, man, and that groove and that freaking It's it's uh, tribal. It's beyond our comprehension. It's music speaks to us in a different realm, in a different level, you know.
1: And uh, but it, it it was funny. I read this and book. And
2: left hand testicle. I, <laughs> I, I, no, I, re- I read this. Let it go, man. I read this book years
1: ago. And uh, for anybody that wants to check it out, it, and it, it really makes sense because a lot of the stuff that they were talking about in the book actually I could relate to. And it, it was written for artists that have <laughs> kind of a, maybe a writer's block mm-hmm. or they just, oh, the a, it's called The Artist's Way. Oh, yeah, uh, Julia. Yes. Uh, Julia Henry? I I don't I can't yeah, remember Julie who Cameron read it. No. But it's yeah, this huge it. coffee table mm, book. Mm. And then if you buy it, you can buy the book and it also comes with almost like a diary or a journal mm-hmm. book. Yes. And basically what they were saying is in the book is that there's the left brain and the right brain. And one side of the brain controls all your normal, like- uh, Motor skills. Motor skills, uh, like all your, it's like responsibility, Mm -hmm. everything responsible, you know, and it's like your left, I guess it might be the other way around, but the left side of the brain is the creative part of the brain. And a lot of times when you get a block, it's because the right side of the brain is telling the left side of the brain, that's stupid. Mm. Yeah. Don't do that. Mm. Yes. That's dumb. human nature, You know, all Mm. this Mm. shit. So it basically takes you back and it tells you to never, never say "I can't," never say "I don't know." Never. It's because basically you're programming the mm. right side of the brain with all these negatives. Mm, that's true. Mm. And blah blah blah. So basically, this exercise was: you would get up every morning, the minute you get out of bed, before you even think about getting coffee or anything literally have the journal there get up grab a pen and just write even if you don't complete the sentences mm. just write everything whatever that comes, comes to mind whatever comes to mind god i stubbed my toe last night i, I that i could really use a cup of coffee got to be sun even if you don't finish the statement as a thought comes start writing it mm-hmm. da, 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 da. and it basically clears out all the shit that's in your head telling you that you can't do something yeah and it's pretty weird how they were saying how the left brain, right brain mm-hmm. works. One of the things that they were saying is, when you're focused on something else, like driving, I can't tell you. I've written so many songs when I'm driving. It's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, Bohemian Rhapsody, please. I, you know, I could do that all day <laughs> long because I'm focused on something else. Yeah. And I didn't mean that as a slag to Queen. I think that's the greatest, one of the greatest yeah, yeah, we songs get ever the written. Analogy, but I'm just saying, yeah, like, yeah. when I'm driving, my this part of the brain is focused on the task at mm-hmm. hand, mm-hmm. so, it so just it's just kind not of attacking the, the other it's, side. It's yes. not attacking it's, yeah. the other it's side, and it allows nature, you to yeah. just be. Things to flow. It's true. And it's pretty weird. Like, I really kind of believe in that because, like, when I'm driving, I think of lyrics all day long. Mm. I'm thinking mm. of thoughts and comments and lyrics and hooks. But when it, whether I'm cooking, driving, you know, watching TV, you know, the whole bit. So it's it's pretty cool.
3: Um, I, I'm loving that. We'll put a link to that book in the, uh, in the show notes, mm-hmm. Robbo. Um, Indeed. Yeah. Mark, I just want to go back. <laughs> a couple of minutes ago, you mentioned being sober now for 20-odd years. Yes, sir.
1: Um, I'm curious. No, he didn't say years. He said minutes. <laughs> 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 Sorry, you heard them.
0: <laughs> they have the best
2: China right here,
1: man. Oh, my God. Yeah. You didn't hear that. Anyway. Um, we
2: got kids in the room. Oh, my God. Did I just say that?
3: I'm curious. There's a couple of things about that that I'd, I'd like to ask you about. Do yes. Is it do you, The moment where you made the decision that you were going to change, Mm-hmm. Do you recall that moment and the advice you give to somebody who's listening, who has got themselves into a situation
2: with something? Um, To be honest, and I have to be totally honest about this, I had nothing to do with my sobriety. Uh, To this day, I believe it was divine intervention. And I was in Orange County jail on my way to do 15 years. And for the first time in my life, just that moment of lucidity where you just realize you see projected to the future, look into the past and you go, what the hell? What happened? How did I get here? I'm ready to change, you know? And I got on my knees speaking of meditation or whatever. And for me, you know, God is in my life, period. He exists in my life. He guides me, kind of lets me know he's my, you know, I'm a pendulum. He kind of keeps me in the middle, man, and he keeps me balanced, you know. So I got on my knees and I prayed. And I let everything, all that emotion and fear and everything you can imagine, just let it out. And I cried like a little baby girl for hours, man. And I finally got to that word, surrender. I surrendered. So to your listeners, surrender to the fact, the first step, that you have a problem. And that'll be the beginning of the rest of your life. That's what happened to me. I finally said, I can't, I have no control over this. It's disease. It's got control over me and my whole life. It's ruined me to the point where, I, you know, it's over. My life is basically over. So from that point on, and that was September 20th at three o'clock, 1987, no, don't ask me how I know this, but who's counting? But that's what happened to me, you know. And I've learned how to d- do it 24 hours a day. And that's the first thing that happens, you know, with people that have this issue. It's it's pretty overwhelming to think, wow, can I get through this day without having to freaking this or this or that? The fact is you can. But yeah, it comes down to how willing... And how ready are you to take the steps to get out of that insanity, you know?
3: I've been really, I've watched <clears lost throat> hours of you guys being interviewed by different people all over the world. Mm-hmm. And I've been really impressed by the both of you. And I guess knowing you're a father of five and with what you've been through, what, what are the values that you are looking to represent you want your kids to take on?
2: Um, you know, um, like we were joking earlier, I, I want my kids to know me inside and out and uh you know mom their mom has a different opinion but i think it's important for for them to know where i've been so that you can you can prepare them for life you know it's life out there it's tough sometimes so the parenting uh thing it's the most important thing you'll ever do in your life and i got to give a lot of credit to my wife she's amazing she's a great mom so i would like for them to realize that uh, i made a lot of mistakes in their behalf isn't that sound?
4: That sounds right. <laughs> right. <It's> exactly. <like, laughs> we made yeah, all yeah. the mistakes
2: yeah. in your behalf. Just listen for a minute, and don't make the same mistakes. Don't go that way. Go that way. I got burned doing going that way, and all hit oh, so many walls. So I'm here to spare you. Mm-hmm. But at the but at the end of the day, you have to say, you're gonna make those mistakes, and I still love you, and I'll be here to pick you up. That's all you can do.
1: Yeah. There's you can give them all the advice yeah. in the world, and, and you know, they may take it,
0: Mm, they may not, you know,
1: I I have a son, my son is actually my drummer in my solo band. Yeah, that's cool. And, you know, he, he had some issues a couple years ago and, and, uh, you know, just, I'm like, dude, I, I tell you all the time, like I've done this, I did this, I did this, but I also realized too, I can throw it out there, He's gonna figure it out his own way. He's gonna make him, he's either gonna make the mistake or he's gonna listen to what I have to say. But either way, if he makes the mistake, I'll be right there, you know, going, I told you. <laughs> little bastard! Man, <laughs> get out of my way! Get out of my way! Go make the sandwiches. <laughs> it's the my game. quiet time, <laughs> alright. It's my quiet time, bitch. I've got one hour
3: now. Back off, man. Um, we have been talking to the boys from the Dead Daisies. This has just been uh, an absolute treat. Mm. What's the song that
1: you hear and go, oh, "I wish I'd have written that." I wish I'd have written that song. Have we wrote the whole album? Really? yeah, oh, yeah. Wow. It's amazing. There's two songs on that record. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I got into the Beatles, obviously, first, but there's two songs on that record. When that I heard just them, amazing. I was yeah. like, I have to be a singer. Really? And yes. one Same of them- Really? One yeah. of them was Oh, Darling mm-hmm. by the Beatles. Oh, Darling. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's just, to me, like- I heard, you know, the verse, oh, darling. But then when he gets into that bridge, when you told me, and yeah, he, it's yeah. like this other voice comes yeah. out and I'm going, whoa, this is insane. Yeah. And the same one, he does the same thing tonality-wise is Golden Slumbers. Yeah. He does oh, the same uh, thing on that song. Yeah. And I'm like- Yes. That's what I want to do. Really? Yeah. Those two songs probably started me wanting to be a singer. And
2: the same for you, Marco? Look Pretty it. much. That was the first album we got, the first vinyl we got mm. from my dad for Christmas from Santa. And that was it. I got hooked, man. It was like uh, the Pandora's box opening up. and it was, And here I am today. It's like, wow, what happened? But <clears throat> yeah, that was the light that, you know, that was the fire that kind of. Lit the torch, man. Yeah. And to this day, I listen to it from time to time. It's, it just brings back a lot of great memories, you know. I mean, mm-hmm. and I can go on from there. I mean, discover as you get into the music side, so many things, you know, Zeppelin and it's it, but the it's progressive weird, like, thing. I mean, all
1: these other bands are great, great bands. But for me, the Beatles, like, the songwriting was just out of control. Yeah. The vocals were out of control. Production. And then if the you writing, go everything. and you look at each guy individually, their parts. the way they played their parts for the song. Yeah. They're so it, important. It's never mm. gonna happen again. Yeah. Like, I mean, even, even when I was in rat, Robbie Crane, uh, you know, the we used st- to we st- yeah. talk, and he's like, Oh, my favorite bass player is this guy or that guy or this go, whatever. And I'm like, it, he knew I was a Beatles fan, so he said to me, Why do you Like, what about, what is it about McCartney that makes him so great? And I went, just one day, I go, here's what I want you to do go in the back lounge of the bus and take your iPod, put your headphones on, and just sit down and learn the bass pattern in Penny Lane. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Learn that bass, learn that bass, just the bass in that thing. And he went back. And he came out the next day and he was like, holy shit, dude. Like, oh my God, he's a monster on bass. I go, okay. So we had this game. He would come in every day and he'd go, pick a song today. And I would pick another song and then, you know, and he would go in the back and he would learn it. And like, to this day, like I'll see him every now and then he's like, dude, Thank yous like wow. that game. Wow, upped yeah, my yeah, game yeah, on yeah, bass. Yeah. What
3: Ridic- was it about that game? I know we're gonna let you go, but I'm just enjoying this so much. <laughs> what was it about that? Did you think made the difference to him that was profound? What 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 was it
1: in that little game? Well, it, it's funny, and this is again, uh, again, I'm I'm just kind of a music goofball, but I bought that book. And it's like kind of common knowledge that they they would write songs and go into the studio and record. And McCartney was so to me was so musical, melodic, melodic, Very melodic. But he would like. he would literally in in most cases when you record a track, the drums are the first thing to get laid down, mm-hmm. like the drums and the bass. Now even when we did the Revolution record, we all tracked everything so drums? together. Then bass. Well, we track everything, tracks, everything. Everything gets done together. Live. And then if there's something like if Marco goes, wow, well, you know, I don't really like my tone on this song, then he can go back and in and play it. along with the drums. The drums mm. are mm. like the foundation; they're there. The hot beat. And then and then you put the bass, and then you do the rhythm guitars, and then you know you stack from there. Mm. And the thing about McCartney is that he his sense of song. So they would do the drums. They would do all the guitars. They'd do all the vocals, piano, like all this other stuff. And then after everything was done, vocals, he would literally sit down and come up with a bass line yeah. that complemented. Really? It was the last thing recorded. Yeah, yeah, the wow, that's interesting. So he would do like, Penny Lane, is a done. Yeah. So it's penny, almost a second vocal yeah. Yeah. track. It, is. If if you, it was like a backing it, track. Yeah. The one thing I just heard was, it was uh, the bass and the drums. It's on YouTube if you want to check it out. There's the bass and drums soloed from Abbey Road mm-hmm. for the song "Something,"
2: right? Yeah. And it's
1: it's it's sick. Just hearing the drums and the bass, you can faintly hear the guitar yeah, in the yeah, background.
2: Yeah, the bass and yeah. no, drums are just stuff. Unbelievable. Yeah. Paul insane. McCartney is the cat. Absolutely. What a goodbye um, to finish, boys. Uh, we. Yeah.
3: So appreciate your time. I could Absolutely. sit here for hours yeah. talking to you Can we come back about tomorrow? stuff. But uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, let's do it, man. It's been a real treat. Thanks for being on the Mojo Radio Show, guys. Yeah, it's um, great nice guys. Pleasure, it's man. been great. Um, let's
2: been do awesome. it again.
0: Yeah, man. Thirty-one days of pure Mojo. Rocktober on the Mojo Radio Show. I got to say, I've
4: done a hell of a lot of interviews in my time recorded and been a part of, that was close to one of my favourites, if not my favourite. I loved that day. I could
3: have talked for hours. Yeah, these guys are about to go on tour with KISS. They're going on the KISS cruise, I think, through the Bahamas and they're going to start touring Europe and um, Marco was very clear at the end of the interview. He's very, very welcome and Marco was very clear at the end of the interview he definitely wanted to come back on the show and mm. talk some more because they were um, I honestly, mate, I could have sat there and talk to those guys for hours, but had they not had the van turn up to go to rehearsals,
4: <laughs> I reckon we'd still yeah. be there. And the rest um, of the band knocking on the door going, guys,
3: <laughs> guys, yeah, we need yeah. to go. <laughs> yeah, I think it was when Dizzy turned up saying, what the are you doing? Yeah, that's uh, right. That's when, <laughs> that's when the lights went out. Yeah, we um, better leave. Now, part of Rocktober is giveaways. Yes. And we have some Dead Daisy CDs of the album Revolution. We do away. indeed, Yeah. Um, and we also got an email from Rick Price yeah, from he's Nashville.
4: A, he's thrown a handful he, of CDs our way to, for us yeah, to toss he, at our listeners.
3: Yeah. He follows us on Facebook and loves the show each week and he sent us some stuff as part of Rocktober because he remembers Rock, Rocktober back from the 70s mm-hmm. and 80s. So yeah. to win, folks, it's really easy. Mm. All you've got to do is ring the radio show hotline, which is 087200. Yep. 6656. And if you're living overseas and you want to enter, please
4: do. Um, You can even Skype that number and it won't cost you a thing. The number in that case is obviously Australia. Um, If you're dialing from a telephone, the the country code is 618722 Mojo. So, um, yeah, dial that number.
3: And just ring the hotline, leave us a message. We will... Put some we'll put some callers to air and we'll you you. use your telephone number. We'll call you in the next show, which is uh, Monday, next Monday. So please give us a call. Dead Daisy CDs, Rick Price CDs. We have got some Mojo Radio Show tea towels,
4: mm. some stubby coolers. And <laughs> uh, some soap uh, on a rope, I heard you mention earlier. Soap <laughs> on
3: a rope and some shower caps. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> A matching nah. set. <laughs> no, nah, we don't, but we should. We, mate, we must get on that. We must, we, get, should. we must get ourselves some giveaways. We need some soap on fun. a rope,
4: I reckon. <laughs> That'd be great.
3: Soap on a rope. Mm. Uh, bleh. Bleh. Mm. Um, mm. Now, it's time to do lessons of
0: rock. Straight from the roadies' handbook to you. Another Rocktober lesson in Rock. It it's Rocktober on the Mojo Radio Show.
3: All right, Teach, what you got? I, I've got a couple of bits here for you. The mm. first one is I am reading a very interesting book and I'll put a link through it on the show notes. Last week we spoke to a guy called Light Watkins about yep. meditation and mindfulness and it's something I want to dig more into and you'll notice it through the shows, guys, we've had this theme of creativity, innovation, problem-solving, finding oneself through stillness and silence. And I've I've found this book called The Art of Stillness. Mm. It's The Adventures of Going Nowhere by Pico Iyer. I think it's pronounced I-Y-E-R. And I've got to say it's a beautiful book and it really has slowed me down and just helped me to more contemplate the moment. And I'm really taking my time with the book and really absorbing it. However, the lesson of rock comes about a story about Leonard Cohen. Now Leonard Cohen wrote this beautiful song. Now Leonard Cohen checked out basically at the height of his career as a singer songwriter and went to live with some Zen Buddhist monks. Hmm. And he worked there for five years and basically went into as a recluse and just stayed in silence for five years. And he said he got more of a hit from that than any other drug or form of stimulant he'd ever had. Wow. And he said that stillness was such a big part of his world. And this book just outlines the sort of Leonard Cohen story and then goes into other stories about the power of stillness and how it's good for our wellness and our brains and our spirit. But I I continued to learn about Leonard Cohen because I'm quite fascinated by this. And I found a quote which I thought was quite beautiful. He said, Before I can discard the verse, I have to write it. I can't discard a verse before it's written because it is the writing of the verse that produces whatever delights or interests or facets that are going to catch the light. The cutting of the gem has to be finished before you can see whether it shines.
0: Mm, And I thought.
3: It is, but I thought there's there's a number of things because in the interview we spoke to the Dead Daisies about that and they both, as soon as I talked about stillness and silence, they both leaned forward and their eyes lit up, they went, absolutely. So I Mm -hmm. think there's a learning in that. But the second part I like, and the boys also talked about it today during the interview, um, John and Marco, is that you've got to put pen to paper. And I think too many people don't create or get their song out or the copy for a website or Mm. the right speech for a wedding or getting something out of the system we tend to store it in our minds and we edit our ideas in our mind before putting it on paper. What Leonard Cohen is saying is that you've just got to start writing, you've just got to get it down because the cutting of the gem has to be finished before you can see whether it shines. If you don't write it down you Mm. can't tell what you've got in front of you. So don't edit it, get it out. So, uh, what do you think of that? How, how am I travelling so that's, far? That's, that's very deep. That, I think that's great,
4: mate. A <laughs> little bit Rocktober, a little bit beige, <laughs> but yeah, still very Rocktober. A bit
3: beige. <laughs> <laughs> mate, it's a little bit vanilla. Yeah, a little bit vanilla. <laughs> well, what if I went a bit of Dylan?
4: Yeah, go on. There you go. There,
3: now, right. you, now you're talking my Bye. language. Bye. Now, Van Morrison once yeah. categorised Bob Dylan as the greatest living poet. Yeah. And he said that Dylan, like many great creators, he valued the unconscious aspect of creativity. Mm. And he then quoted Dylan by saying, the best songs to me, my best songs, are songs which were written very quickly. Very, very quickly. Mm. Just about as much time as it takes to write it down mm-hmm. is about as long as it takes to write it.
4: Yeah.
3: Now whilst we're on this lesson of Rocktober, the lesson I took from that is that we shouldn't judge our ideas. If we throw the idea of Leonard Cohen with journaling songbooks, I spoke to the boys about Dead Daisies today and they concurred.
4: Yeah, what about John playing his guitar in front of the telly, noodling away?
3: Exactly, and that's the the subconscious mind doing it. While the conscious mind's watching a movie on telly, his subconscious mind was, I think he called it noodling.
4: Mm, He did.
3: And it's interesting that Dylan said here he just starts writing as quickly as he can and a lot of singer-songwriters, and I'm quite curious about how the writing process that we can apply to writing a great piece for a birthday card or a website or writing a great tweet or a post on Facebook with... How do you find just the right words? And I think we edit them too much and what Leonard Cohen's saying and I think Dylan is backing up is that it's just to get it out there and the longer you procrastinate, the more you let that voice of judgment edit your words and your thinking. Mm. So I just think these two bits sit so beautifully together and they both are some of the greatest singer-songwriters the world's seen. So what do you think of that, mate? How do we go? Two for two?
4: Absolutely two for two. And I'm going to put the icing on the cake right now because you know what? I've got my hands on while you've been nattering away there. <laughs> <laughs> Gibbering. <laughs> Gibbering away. I, I've, I've jumped into the archives of, of the, the voodoo sound dim, dark depths of the basement. And I've come up with, because you, you were talking about Van Morrison, I've got a recording here of Joe Camilleri and the Black Sorrows. Now, this would be circa 1994, 95, mm-hmm. around there somewhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, Joe and the band turned up at, uh, at the Triple M Studios and the drummer, his drummer had a, uh, a kick, uh, kick pedal on a guitar case and a snare between his legs as he sat on a milk crate and a, and a brush. There was a couple of trumpets. There was an acoustic guitar. And, uh, and Joe bashing away and singing away, and they did uh, a version of uh, Van Morrison's Brown Eyed Girl. So uh, I reckon that uh, that might be a, a way to close the show for the first of Rocktober. Well,
3: I can put a little caveat at the end of that. Okay, caveat away. Because Thomas Edison once said, to invent, you need a good imagination and a pile of junk. Yeah. Now I'm not saying that the stuff he sat on, like a milk crate and his 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 drum snare box, was a pile of junk, but it just goes to show that you don't need all this fandangle stuff to be able to create. So, no. um, I can, just, can
4: I just say too, just quickly, Joe Camilleri, if you want to talk about musical geniuses as well as Marco and John, who we've already chatted to today, there's another one. God, just amazing mind. Great mind. Yeah. All right, that's been a big show, mate, for uh, Rocktober. Should we get out of here? We're out. Leave you with Joe. See you next week. Yeah.
5: Alright. Yeah, where do we go? Days when the rain came. Down at the hollow. Playing a new game. Laughing and rolling, yep. Yeah. Skipping and a jump in. Yelling, the Morning Fog. Oh, you know you got my heart thumping. Yes, you, my brown eyed girl. Hey, yes, your man, brown eyed girl. Say whatever happened. Tuesdays are so slow. Going down to the old man with a transistor radio. Running and laughing, you. Yeah. Hiding behind a rainbow wall. Slipping and sliding, you. Yeah. All along the waterfall. <coughs> With you, my brown eyed girl. Yes, you're my brown eyed girl. Do you remember when we used to sing? La 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 to talk. Everybody singing. Shine, la 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 la, la to oh, and you, my brown eyed girl. Hey, you're my brown eyed. It's so hard to find my way. Now that I'm I saw it just the other day. Whoa, child, how you have grown. And I cast my memory back then, Lord. You know sometimes I'm overcome thinking about it, making love in the green grass behind the stadium with you, my brown-eyed girl. Whoa, yes, you're my brown-eyed girl. Sha la 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 to the dawn. sha la 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 la. Oh la 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 to the dawn. Oh you, my brown eyed girl. C'est la vie.
0: The Mojo Radio Show See you next time.